0: Amen. Go ahead and be seated. The effort received the tithes and offerings and prayers to the people. As they're, they're doing that, look in your bulletin. There's an insert there about our equipped courses. Here at Living Hope, we worship, connect, serve, equip, and multiply. The fall, uh, we have found, is a perfect time uh, for folks to get equipped. And so you'll see there's a, there's a list of things. If you don't know uh, what you should take, take root It's an experience we want all of our members to go through. It'll be on Sunday evenings uh, when they begin Sunday night stuff. And so we have programming for children during that time. Great experience with them doing a men's thing um, late in the fall on Thursday morning. I haven't done that in a while. We're going to get back into some of that. Uh, but again, great opportunities for you to grow as a disciple our Our vision is to be a family of disciples that make disciples and and to do that you know we we have to we have to dig into God's word. we have to understand what it means and how to apply it and 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 to live it out and so these quick courses are meant to help you to do that and the more you do that, the more hope you have and we're in this series we're talking about get hope and we're looking at the different types of hope that we have. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we're looking at the life of Moses, and, and we're, we're looking at a ton of Scripture every sermon, and so just know, we know we're flying through this. That's a part of it. This series is done next week. I can't believe it. We need a whole year on this. Maybe we'll come back to it. I don't know, the Lord willing. But this this uh, truth is, is powerful, because you're hardwired for hope. We all are human beings. We are hardwired for hope. And you're going to have hope in something. The question is, is it living hope? Is it eternal hope or is it temporary hope? Is it dying hope? You've got to choose which one. And it's only found in Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ is not your hope, then you're hopeless. And you need to know that and you need to deal with that and you need to change that. You need to get your eyes on the one who can fill you with hope. Today we're going to talk about the fact that in Christ we can have courageous hope. Understand, the closer you get to God, the more courageous hope you're going to have. The further you are away from him, the more you focus on the details and the temporary things and the and what's going on around you. The less courageous hope you're going to have. You gotta you gotta deal with the the fact that there's some things you're just not going to understand. You're not going to explain it. You're not going to like it. But God has a purpose in it, and He's at work in it. Now, again, this text that we're looking at. I mean, there's so much. I, there's no way to cover it all. And so I just want to encourage you to know that that's okay, but you're going to have to go back and study this. I mean, it's just loaded. I mean, there's nothing bad on this. It's like a, it's a great a great media. I, I wanted to go. I got voted out, but I, I didn't get confused. But if, we made the, if I made the choice last week, we were in a city that had a, uh, what is it, a cheesecake factory. Oh, that honest Jesus right there. That's just... Uh, but the menu. How many of you have ever been to cheesecake? Go of hands. Oh, it's good. I'm telling you, it's not just cheesecake. It's a bunch of stuff. As a matter of fact, if you've never been and you want to go, give yourself 20 minutes, and I'm not kidding. To read the menu. Am I right? Thing is huge. It's loaded, and everything on there. I, you know, I've tried a lot. It's good. It's kind of like our text today. It, it's like a cheesecake factory menu. It's loaded. All right, I'm gonna pull out some of my favorites. But look, you're going to have to go back and study this, because there is so much good stuff in this. And you're going to need to dig it out, eat it for yourself, and enjoy it. We're going to talk about courageous hope today. One of the things you're going to see, and you're going to hear me say this uh, more than once or twice, that the closer we get to God, the more courageous hope we have. And, and, and God's at work in the text the same way he's at work in our life today. We're, we're studying the life of Moses, and, and that's important and that's good, but I think sometimes it, well, Moses lived back then, I mean, it was a different time. I get that. He's saying God. The God of Moses is the God of all who follow Jesus Christ. God does not change. The world changes. We change. Like the same God, and so this same God is working the same way, and so we can have this kind of courageous hope. If you got your Bible, I hope that you do. Take it out and let's go to Exodus 13. Josie's going to come and she's going to read for us section uh, verses. Me, come on up. She's going to read for us uh, verses uh, 17 through 22. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. Again, we're going to be in thir- chapter 13 and 14, loaded with great stuff, but we're going to start here and, Lord willing, uh, work our way through uh, chapter 14. So, you read verses 17 to 22. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, Let the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God let the people around the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea, and the people of Israel went up went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth, and encamped at Ism on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day, in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night to not depart from before the people. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. If you would go ahead and, and be seated, Listen, courage is only needed when there's a threat. And you're going to need courageous hope. That means that there are going to be days in your life when you feel threatened. You feel afraid. When things are coming up against you, remember what uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt said. This is important. Courage is not the absence of fear. So if you're afraid, if you're if you are sensing uh, like you're overwhelmed, if if this this life has really grabbed you, don't let that discourage you. Lean into God. Get closer to the God, because the closer you get to God, the more courageous hope you're going to have. You're going to face challenges. You're going to have to get through some hard stuff. You're gonna have to get through death. The Lord carries. He's gonna die. We've got a few of our saints right now that are on their way to be with the Lord, and they're struggling. Pastor Bill was telling me this morning about two of them in particular, but my heart was encouraged because they're not they're not afraid. They're hurting, but here's what they know: they will soon be home not because they're trusting in themselves, but because they're trusting in Jesus Christ. Friends, you're going to face death. What's that going to be like for you? You're going to live somewhere forever. What's that going to be like for you? It, it, it can be terrifying if you don't know God, but if you know God by grace and faith in Christ alone, you can get through this. You can have courageous hope. Your, your identity is going to be challenged. It's going to be a time. And... and if you're a young person, listen. There's gonna be there's gonna be times you're gonna ask, you, Who am I? I mean, am I am I who I think I am? You're gonna wonder, Can I do this? And young people, I'm gonna tell you something. the forty year old feels like that sometimes. There's six year olds. There's eight year olds I talk to who 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 am I? This isn't the life I thought I was gonna have. This is how I planned it. Am I up for this? Am I up for this? Well, maybe you're not. I came to the conclusion a long time ago, I'm not, but I know my God is. And the closer I am to Him, the more courageous hope I have. You're going to have to deal with sin. You're going to have to deal with disappointment, You're going to have to deal with limitations. Dealing with those things requires courage. Webster says it's about courage. Mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand. Look at these things. danger, Fear or difficulty. This is what you should expect in life. Danger, fear, difficulty, and they will overwhelm you if you're not close to God. But if by grace through faith in Christ alone, by the power of the Holy Spirit you are drawing near to God, you're going to have courageous hope because the closer you get to Him, the more courageous hope you're going to have. Hope is, and I this is my definition, I hope that you I hope you'll adopt it. Makes sense to me. Hope is this, this confident, this confident sense that good is occurring and the expectation that good is going to come. Listen, you and I, we often have a limited view. We can only see so much, but here's what we can know good is occurring. I was laughing. I was. I was. We were driving yesterday. we were, yes, were coming back after dropping injection off, and I'm just surprised that he's not crying all day. He's down in Alabama. Please pray for him. Pray for his daddy. Pray for his mama. I was driving, and there was this baby, and uh, was totally kicked in the back. And just you know, the the view of those car seats is very limited, right? Couldn't see all that's going on. And uh, there was some traffic, and there was some maneuvering. There was some. It was kind of a scary thing. You now that kid was just. Oblivious. You know, we're a lot like that baby. We think we got problems because we got a dirty diaper. We had no idea the problems were are protected the from. There are big things, and our God is in control, and we can trust Him. We can trust that He's going to guide us through. He's doing good things. Good things are going to come. It's just hard. It's hard sometimes to trust Him. You know, my doctor is a good friend of mine. He's a deacon here at church. I know he loves me. I love him. I hate to go to him. You know, it's not personal. But here's what I know. A lot of times I go see him, and he tells me stuff I don't want to hear. He tells me stuff that I need to do that I don't want to do. Same thing with God. I love him. I know he loves me. Sometimes he tells me stuff that I don't want to hear. And he oftentimes tells me things I don't want to do. But here's what I know about my doctor. He's right. I know. Here's what I know about God. He's always right. And I can trust him. You and I can trust him. And the closer we get to him, the more courageous hope we're going to have Amen. So as we're looking at this text today, you got to understand, this is scary. I know we kind of read the story, and, and we know kind of it's going to be okay. If, you know, it, we, we don't necessarily read the story anymore and feel scared. You know, a hundred years from now, a million years from now, we're going to look back and read our story, and we're going to say, it wasn't that scary. It's scary now. It can feel very scary. It seems so very scary to leave your kid five and a half hours away at a university with 40,000 people. Scary. It's scary to be told you to have to take care of your parents from now on. It's scary. In between all that, it's scary. But here's the good news. Our God's not scared. And the closer we get to Him, the more courageous hope we're going to have. The thing about walking with God that's scary (laughs) is that, have you ever noticed God, He really isn't scared of anything? And He wants us to go with Him. And we'll go with Him. I'll go with Him. But it's terrifying because He's not afraid of death. Have you ever noticed that God's not afraid of cancer or unemployment or conflict or anything? He just wants us to hold on. He really actually wants us to enjoy the ride. I remember when I was a high school student, BC. <laughs> a friend of mine was bragging about how fast his motorcycle would go. One of those um, Hondas. And um, I doubted him. So he said, Get on back. It went 130 miles an hour. We had to clean the seat off later. I can not stuff him. the night. You know, God says, get on and hold on. And there's sometimes God will go 130. And you know what? It's not scary for Him because He's in complete control. We can trust Him. He's actually, this and this goes without saying, much more trustworthy than the kid I was on the back of my <laughs> day. He really is trustworthy. We can trust Him. I know it feels scary. We can trust Him. And the closer we get to God, the more courageous hope that we're going to have. So these guys, Israelites, are taxed. They're coming out of Egypt. I mean, they've got plunder. Man, they've just had this huge victory. Pharaoh's been defeated. But now, now it's time to follow. It's a new era. It's a new day. Now what do we do? You know, they've been living in Egypt for 400 years, being told what to do every day. Now all of a sudden there's this open canvas. Now all of a sudden they've got to, they've got to follow God. Thankfully He gave them this, this pillar of smoke by day and, and by fire by night. But now they've got to they've got to get in there and they've got to trust God. And that's not always easy. As we'll see in our text. Uh, understand and write it down. A disciple with greatest hope Trust God's purpose. You won't always understand it. God does weird things. It feels weird, anyway. It's normal from His perspective. It'll be normal once we get to heaven and we see what He can see. But right now, it can feel it can feel kind of strange. But we got to trust God's purpose. Look at verse 17 and 18. I mean, you think about the <laughs> the destination. All right, there, picture Egypt, if you can, in your mind, the Mediterranean. If they wanted to get to the Promised Land, the quickest way was to go northeast. God so sends them south. A lady after the church said, I am so glad that I was not a part of the Israelites because I know I would have been up there telling Moses, you need to ask directions. You don't know where you're going. God, this is not the right way. I could just see me arguing with God. I know, and don't we all do that now sometimes? God, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be going this direction. My life is supposed to be like whatever it is we thought it was supposed to be like. But God has a purpose. You look in verse 17. Why did He send them south instead of north? Look what it said. He said, they're not ready for battle. If they face war and they're unprepared, they may turn back. God knew what they needed. God had a purpose for sending them south. Now, I want you to notice, though, they had everything they needed. They just didn't know how to use it. Look at verse 18. Verse 18 says that they had all the weapons. They were, they were equipped for battle. But notice, they didn't know how to fight yet. As a disciple of Jesus, understand, you've got all the weapons. Ephesians 1-3 tells us this, all right? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You've got every weapon you need to defeat every enemy you're going to face in your life. But like Israelites you got to learn how to use the weapons. Now, how does God teach us to use the weapons? He gives us things and people and situations to fight. The Christian life is a constant battle. The Lord has given us weapons. And every challenge you face is a new opportunity for you to learn to use the weapons. And what the Lord is teaching you today, you're going to need tomorrow. If you will walk faithfully in God's will today, you will find yourself in God's will tomorrow. You've got to learn to fight. You got to, So here's Israel. Why are we going south? We ought to be going north. Well, God knows. You're not ready. You're not ready, but I know where you're going, and I'm going to fulfill my purpose. They had the reminder, look in verse 19, they had the reminder that God knew what He was doing. You look at that. Joseph said, go back and read the story in Genesis. Joseph, you know, he's brought there. You talk about a story of man not being where he was, having to serve God's purpose. And he says, listen, I know you Yah who's not going to die here. Sooner or later, God's going to keep his promise. Because he said 400 years and then you're going to go back. Make sure you take my bones with you. So I love the fact that here they are, they're walking out, they're wondering, what's God's purpose? And they have this reminder, oh yeah, God told us he was going to take us back. We can trust God's purpose. Joseph trusts God's purpose. Now we got to take this. We've got to have this reminder. And and what they had was, was glorious. They had the presence of God. Look at verses 20 through 23. He says, look, guys, I'm with you. I'm, I'm making myself manifest. Here's a cloud by day. Here's a here's a pillar of fire by night. I cannot tell you how many times I've said, God, give me a cloud by day and some fire by night. And it dawned on me the other day when I pulled up to this building that He has. This building is a cloud by day and, and, and fire by night. You know what this, you know what this building is? It's a reminder that God has been at work, that God is at work, and that God has plans for the future. This is a pillar of, of cloud by day and fire by night. And I know this may be hard for you to understand, some for you to believe, but I want you to understand something. Where you live, where you work, where you go to school, where you hang out, you are the cloud by day and the fire by night. See, you are the manifest presence of God in the world. You are the body of Christ, you are the city on a hill. You are the body of Jesus. and you are the testimony when I was struggling with my faith before I became a believer, the most difficult thing for me was that I could not I could not take away the fact that there were one or two people who were genuinely godly people. And they were a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. They showed me what it looked like to follow Jesus. And it was undeniable. Friends, God's manifest presence is all around us. Here's what we can do. We can trust God's purpose. We can trust He knows where He's going. We can trust He's, he's given us these reminders in His Word, and these tokens of blessing that we get to carry with us. He's he provided for us all the way. He says, I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. And God taking care of our enemies. You think about, look at chapter 14, verses 1-9. through Think about what God was doing here with the Egyptians. See, God had a purpose for this got a purpose. We're going to look at verse 8 in just a minute, which is hard to understand, but they got out a purpose for this. See, he was letting the Israelites know that whatever was next, they didn't need to be afraid of it, because he was taking out their primary enemy. You know, Egypt was hard-headed like us all. And God knew sooner or later, they were going to get mad enough, and they were going to come back after the Israelites. God knew he was going to have to take them out now. You know what God has done for us? He has defeated our greatest enemy. The Israelites' greatest enemy at that moment were the Egyptians. Our greatest enemy is sin and death, and God has defeated both. With a holy life, with His death and resurrection from the grave. And so now what we have is we have this confidence to know that, hey, God is at work in the world. And the closer we get to Him, the more more we're going to have this courageous hope. And what this hope tells us is, God has already defeated the biggest enemy we'll ever face. All the rest of this stuff, listen to me, it's just details. I know when you're in the middle of it and you drop your kid off at school and you drive away, it doesn't feel like details. When you pull up to the senior retirement center where you're probably going to leave your parents and they're probably going to have their last days, it doesn't feel like details. when it looks like you're going to lose your job, when your marriage is, is in trouble, when your kids aren't being uh, uh, wise with their decisions, when your parents are splitting up. It doesn't feel like you tell. Here's what we can know, though. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Isn't that what we think? He is greater than any other. And, and so here's here's Egypt coming after him, And God's going to defeat them because of His purpose. Because He wants them to know, hey, this enemy that was right here, I took him out. Everything else is a a detail. But what you'll see happening if you look in verses 1-9, through they still had doubts. They had serious doubts. And I want you to understand, God had a purpose for their doubts. If you're a disciple of Jesus, I hate to tell you this, you are going to have doubts. God has a purpose for them. You know when I've grown the most in my faith? In the moments of my biggest doubt. You know what doubts do? They make you dig into the Word. You know what doubts do? They make you cry. You know what doubts do? They make you go and talk to other Christians and say, what is up with this God? What is the problem? What is happening? Explain this to me. You know what God does in those moments when we're having doubts? His truth doesn't change. His love doesn't change. But we're able to experience that truth and that love at a whole other level. God teaches us and reveals Himself to us in our doubt. listen, don't be afraid of doubt. And don't be embarrassed of your doubt. And don't get frustrated that you have doubts. Those are ways God is teaching you to use the weapons He's giving you for the victory that is coming. So here, God is. He's got a purpose for all of this. But but now, there's one thing to know it. There's another thing to go through it. Write it down. The disciple who Craigslist hope experiences God's power. It, it's, it's not just kind of a academic exercise, friends. It's real life. And what we're going through, this is real. This is real stuff. And it's in the real stuff that we experience God's power. Now, Israel, they had to learn, just like we all do, to trust God's power. And that's not easy. You know, one of my favorite sections of this, I think it's the funniest, is in uh, verse 14 of Exodus 14. Um, you know, here, it's, you know, it's. It's getting rough, right? It's time for God to show up. It's, I mean, it, it is like make-or-break moment. And so God is talking to Moses here. Look at verse 14. says, the Lord will fight for you, says Moses, telling the people after God told him, why are you stopping? Go forward. Why are you talking to me? Just get on with it. You know, if I uh, make a translation of the Bible, it's basically to say, I've got this. Shut your mouth and obey. If you're a parent, this is a perfectly reasonable Christian response. Shut your mouth and obey. Yes. This is what God says to us. Now, that doesn't mean there's not a place for confession. There is a place for confession. There is, place for there is a place for admission. There is a place for conversation. This is troubling. This is difficult. What do we think? Let's pray about it. There's also a point that we just need to stop talking about it. There's a line, I don't know what it is, between talking about it and complaining about it. If you don't know that line, ask your spouse, Ask your parents. Ask your kids. Ask your friends. They will tell you. Oh, it became a complaint about five days ago. There's a thing to talk about. But so this is the time when the talk is done. It's just time to do it. There comes a point you just obey. You say, well, I don't understand it. You're not God. You probably won't. Well, I don't agree with it. You're not God. He doesn't care. He loves you. He knows what's best. Trust His purpose. With it and obey. Just step forward and say, "Okay, God, you've got this. You're God, I'm not. I trust you." Now, what Israel couldn't understand is, is the big thing that was going on. You know, I just imagine. I mean, if I'm in that group, I'm thinking to myself, "What does Pharaoh feel? He's such a jerk." You know, here he is. God has taken them through all this tragedy. Why doesn't he just open his eyes and realize he's got to quit messing with us? And well, that's me, right? I, you know, I would have said that a hundred times. They would have said, hey, it's become a complaint. Why don't you just ship it and obey it? Well, what was going on? There was something that they couldn't understand. Look at verse 8. I don't think I understand it. It says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. I think only God knows what that means. But I know what it looks like, and I want to tell you something. The thing that you need to be most sensitive to about your own self is being hard-hearted towards God. Because there comes a moment with God where He will actually, if you if you get hard-hearted, He will turn you over to your sin. There is no worse place to be in all the world than when God says, Okay, I've told you, I've showed you, I've called you, you said no, I'm done with you. you're wondering what that looks like, look at the United States of America. Where those who have denied God, denied God, killed their babies, dishonored Him, decided what is wrong is now right, and anybody who says that, that the right is right, they're crazy. That's when you know. That's when you know. Uh, Paul talks about this in Romans 1. If this doesn't sound like our country to you. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of, about God for a lie, and wor- worshiped and served the cre- uh, creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, look at this, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, since they were hard-hearted, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. This is the most dangerous place you will ever be. is when your heart has got so hard, God just gives you over to it. When He gives the culture over to it. By the way, this isn't the first time He's done it. He did it with Israel. We did it with Rome. And if we don't have a revival, we do it with us. There comes a point where God just turns you over, but don't be afraid. God always has a remnant. God always has a people for His glory. And, and if you are walking closely with God, you will have courageous and hope. And you will be able to get through it. God will provide what you need. He, he has the power to protect you. I know some of you are going through some dark nights, and if you've never gone through a dark night, you will. Some sure of you've been through dark nights. One of my favorite sermons that Charles Spurgeon ever preached was um, Job 35:10. It says that no one says, "Where is God, my Maker, who gives songs in the night?" And when he was talking about in the message, he said we Christians we so often get so fixated on our problem and we don't get fixated on God and seeing praise and glory to who he is and for what he's done. Instead of drawing near to God most of the times what we do, by focusing our minds on what we perceive as the problem, we draw closer to the problem. We get nearer to the problem because that's what our heart and mind are fixated on. That's why we can't sleep at night. And that's why we're so aggravated. And that's why everything is, feels like it's falling apart because we're so focused on all this. <laughs> Where's the person who gets sings songs in the night? Twenty-five years ago was one of the darkest nights of my life. I was done with everything. I'd been ordained for a month, and I was already done with everything. And Psalm 46 saved my saved my life, saved my mind. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, the mountains quake with a surging. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The closer you get to God, the more crazy hope you have. Because when you're in that fortress, you see the enemy for what they are, and you're able to trust God for His will, even though you don't like it, maybe you don't agree with it, maybe you don't understand it. He is God, and He has power. Look at verses 24 through 25. He has power over the over the. The vehicles of the Egyptians. He's able to disrupt anything. That's that's our God. He's sovereign, and when He's not, He's got a purpose for it. He's He's bringing them. He's, he's causing these things to happen so that we will trust Him and grow in Him and make no mistake. He is sovereign over even the elements themselves. Look at verses 21 through 22. He says to Moses, raise your staff. I'm going to divide the water. Look at 26 through 31. Raise it again. I'm about to bring the water to crush the Egyptian army. This is the purpose of God. This is the power of God. I remember uh, when I was a young pastor, I was taking a course and the guy, the teaching class, didn't believe in the miracles of the Bible. And um, he said something like, uh, well, we know, of course, that the Red Sea wasn't really, you know, Massive uh, massive sea it was, the water was about two feet deep and so that's why Israel was able to cross the other side and me wrongly sarcastically raised my hand and said what a glorious miracle God killed an entire Egyptian army with two foot of high water and by the way God came here. whether it's two foot or forty foot God has the power And when we are walking closely with God, we have this courageous hope. And we trust His purpose, even if we don't like it or agree with it or understand it. And we experience His power because He is the one true God. And it is there that we have courageous hope. Here's what I know about some of you. You're struggling. And without Jesus Christ, you're hopeless. Friends, you're either with the Egyptians or you're with the Israelites. Either you're with Jesus or you're against Him. You need Him and He loves you. And He'll forgive you and He'll guide you. Some of you are children of God. You're in the battle. Come ask for His help. Come ask for His help. Some of you know somebody that's in a battle today. i will to ask you to give them a gift. Come pray for them. And today... Text them or call them, send them a message and say, I want to let you know that i prayed for you and our God is able. All right. Lord, we hear that, we say that, we sing that. But until we surrender everything to you, Lord Jesus, we've got to hold it, we gotta handle it, and it's too much. Thank you for your grace and your favor. Thank you that we can come to you. We can humble ourselves. We can get on our knees and we can say, Lord, I surrender all. My whole life is yours. Forgive me. Take it. As your children, we can come to you and say, Daddy, scared. It's hard. I don't get it. Help me. We can come and we can say, Lord, I'm praying for this couple. I'm praying for my friend, family member, the situation, this nation. God, please help us. Please help them. Do something. Do something. Mm -hmm. Let's stand together. Come and pray. Let's sing. Come and ask God to do something.